Welcome to The Fit Chap, a podcast devoted to the fitness and well-being of prospective chaplains coming into the United States Army. My name is Chaplain Jason Phipps, and it is great to have you tuning in this month. So 23-003 is our current class, and they are here until about mid-December. We've been doing some great uh, training with them in addition to the normal classroom training that they get. We've uh, also been doing some things uh, a little bit differently this class. We've incorporated a few boot runs. We've also incorporated a pro mask run, which we did last week. I believe it was last week or the week before, where the students were essentially in their uniforms running in boots. But we had them running with gas masks on. And that was really the intent behind that was just to give them some familiarity, some confidence and their equipment as we train and prepare for a potential large-scale combat type of environment. So that was good to, to incorporate a little bit of hard training that was uh, beneficial. All right, well, this month we have two special guests with us. The Commandant of the United States Army Institute of Religious Leadership, Chaplain Colonel Lou Del Tufo, and we also have our Command Sergeant Major of the USA Earl with us as well, Sergeant Major Evelyn Monte Alegre. And uh, good to have you on the Fit Chap. And I just wanted to give you both just an opportunity to introduce yourselves and tell us a little bit of your backstory, how you ended up in the Chaplain Corps, and then we'll go from there. So, so Chaplain Phipps, uh, thank you for having us on today. I just wanted, I've been reflecting upon this as I'm coming to the end of my chaplain corps journey of, of how it all started. And I always wanted to be a soldier. When I was 18 years old and a college student, I joined the New Jersey Army National Guard as a combat engineer. I went through basic training in AIT, it's called OSUT, at Fort Leonardwood, Missouri. And then I served in the National Guard while I was in college. And it was towards the end of my college time that I really felt a call to the ministry on my life. I had gone to, to uh, chapel services during basic training. I had grown up in the church, and one of my National Guard chaplains actually said to me, have you ever thought about joining the chaplain corps? And it was there that you know I started to seek this, and I started to pray about it. I sought counsel from my pastor of my church that I grew up in. I saw counsel from my mother and counsel from my girlfriend at the time. And I really felt that God was calling me into the chaplain court. And if I ever heard an audible voice of God, it was drop everything you have and follow me. So I, I, I told my girlfriend I would have to leave college and go to seminary somewhere far away. I told my mom I was going to have to, you know, break free from college and go to the seminary far away. And my pastor was like, if that's what God's called you to do, go do it. So I started down that journey. And a number of years later, I went through the chaplain candidate program. And then I finally came on active duty as a chaplain in, in 1995. And just knowing what the process was, having other people speak into my life, having other people help me understand the bureaucratic process of what it takes to become an Army chaplain. And uh, I can say, oh, I look back at it now, I don't know how all the puzzle pieces fit together. I don't know how I was able to accomplish everything I needed to get accomplished in order to be where I was in 1995 when I showed up at 
at the then Fort Bragg, North Carolina for my first duty of assignment. But somehow or another, all the pieces fit together and God had a perfect plan for my life. I'm going to just start with this quick question, sir. And sorry, Major, I do look forward to hearing your story as well. But you, you talk about coming into the Chaplain Corps in 1995. It's now 2023. What is one of the biggest differences perhaps that you've observed as students come into the Chaplain Corps now in 2023 as compared to 1995? Well, the stories you've been told are true. There was a time when we did training at Fort Monmouth, New Jersey, and I'm the last, one of the last of a dying breed of Fort Monmouth basic course graduates. Um, when I first came on active duty in 1995, this was pre-COVID, pre-wars, and it was after Desert Storm, and we had to really take time to do training in the garrison environment. Um, we were a, a garrison army. We were living and breathing in the garrison. We always talked about going and fighting large-scale combat operations, being expeditionary. And I think now, 23 years later, post the global war on terrorism, we're finding ourselves back in the same situation we were in in 1995 when we were talking about large-scale combat operations and being expeditionary mindset and not fighting from fobs, it's amazing how we've gone back to the 90s in 2023. Sergeant Major Monty, you have a very similar timeline to Chaplain Del Tufo, but uh, obviously coming from a, just a completely different path into the Chaplain Corps, I think actually you might be the first NCO that we've had on this show. So I'm very excited to have you here. But can you just tell us a little bit of your backstory, your origins, how you came into the Chaplain Corps, and, and uh, just we'll delve into your experiences as well? Well, first of all, thank you, Chaplain Fifth, for the opportunity to participate in your podcast. My story is a little bit different from my early years as a preteen and teenager in Mexico, because that's where I'm from, I wanted to join the Army back then. Then eventually I moved to the United States with my father on and about when I was 17. And then from there, the Army desire kind of went away. So I kind of joined by a chance, and also because at the time, my relation with my dad wasn't the greatest. So as I met the recruiter running on a track, because I was taking some college classes, you know, classes that don't really help you, such as music, karate, <laughs> things like that. Uh, he asked me, how do I pay for my college? I said, well, I work. He said, well, the Army can pay for your college if you give me an opportunity. So 10 days later, I was already signing my contract to join the Army. And I selected this MOS. Back then, it used to be called Chaplain Assistant. 71 Mike, because my because I'm a PK, I'm a pastor kid. My dad mm -hmm. was a pastor, and I wanted to get closer or fix my relationship. So I figure chaplain assistant will help me get closer because he's a pastor, so we have something in common mm -hmm. to, to do that. And I joined in 1994 here in Fort Jackson. Uh, I'm always been a 56 Mike, 
formerly known as chaplain assistant and now religious affairs specialist. I was 22 when I joined, and I'm coming close to the end of my career. In a few months down the road, I'll be retired from this MOS. I had a good time in this MOS. I enjoy everything about this. Being a religious affairs specialist, I tried to get out of the MOS several times, but I don't know if it was God or it was just the opportunity. I just could never do it because I was always selected or promotable to do something else, and leaving the MOS will mean I will have to start all over again. So I decided not to. It's been a good experience, and I did get close to my dad. That's the long-term, I would say, eternal benefit of perhaps the path that God led you down into the Army. So I, I know at one point in time, and you've talked a little bit about this, Sergeant Major, that you were... You were a drill sergeant here at the schoolhouse as well. Can you tell me a little bit about what that experience was like, how that obviously had a direct impact upon 50, future 56 bikes, but how it also perhaps affected or impacted the chaplain students, I should say, that were coming through Chibolik during that time? Yes, sir, of course. I was an AIT drill sergeant, and I had an opportunity to not only do the physical part, and all the other additional physical tasks that the soldiers do, but to talk to the soldiers and try to help them understand what is our relationship with the chaplain that in the future, once they're certified, we'll have to work with. Because having that understanding of what is your role in the job that you will do in the future, because each chaplain gets assigned a religious affairs specialist. Most of the time, there's some units that don't have that. But understanding your role in the relationship and your support to the chaplain makes a big difference. To know that in advance before you actually go and start working with your chaplain. So it gave me the opportunity to explain some of my experiences and what do I did to understand my role and how do I can help them understand their role as they prepare to graduate and become branch certified. And also helping some of the chaplain. I was also instructor for a chaplain basic course during the same time as a drill sergeant. And it was a great opportunity to work directly with the chaplains, helping them understand what your religious affairs specialist or at the time chaplain assistant needs to understand or how they can help him have that communion a little bit better. Mm. That's good to hear. I appreciate your, your insight. Sorry, Major. Okay, my first question for you all. So I firmly believe that Chibolik, we are a standards-based organization, but we also have, as individual chaplains and leaders, expectations for students who are coming in to this course for the first time. And, and sometimes our expectations can vary from one chaplain or religious affairs specialist or NCO to another. With that being said, I would love to know just what are your all's initial expectations when a brand new chaplain student steps foot on this campus? And either one of you can go first. I'll jump in, Chaplain Phipps. When new students show up from day one, I expect them to come with a sense of wanting to learn. 
And I say that to mean that they come here expecting something from us where we help them work on their competencies. But then the other part of that is they have to give something back and they have to give, they have to give themselves back, not only to the process and trusting the process, but they also have to be part of the learning that goes on. We try to put our students in a setting where not only do, do the instructors teach them, but they also teach their peers. They teach their peers about other worldviews, other cultures, other theological frameworks, and they also teach their, their peers um, some of the Army skills. I'm always surprised at the number of prior service Army, Navy, Air Force, Marines, and even some Space Force that come through our chaplain basic course. I'm always surprised. And I'm looking at our prior service chaplains and chaplain candidates to come and be able to teach some of those basic soldier skills and basic, actually, Army bureaucratic, if you will, life skills, just to how to survive the system to, to those who have come here and this is their first experience in the Army. Yeah, that is a good point. And I feel like bureaucratic skills is one of those intangibles that is not written into POI, but you still need to learn how to embrace that and to work through the system in order to make things happen, not just for yourself, but certainly for your subordinates and for your 56 mics as well. So that's some good insight. How about you, Sergeant Major? Well, just to add to what Chaplain Del Tufo said, uh, when I welcome the students, I always tell them, hey, you are here because you want to be here. So expectation is that you want to learn, and there may be some things that you may disagree mostly uh, the chaplains because they already come with a religious background. And so you may disagree from the, from when you meet other soldiers, but I tell them, you want to be here because, number one, you volunteer to be here. So you got to also have an open mind to understand other cultures, other beliefs, even if they are the opposite to your beliefs. Or even if you disagree completely, but you got to have that understanding and the ability to mentor them, i.e. the soldiers or religious affairs specialists, even if you do not agree according to their beliefs. Uh, expectation is that you will encounter people opposite to you and you will have to perform or provide or give advice to that individual. And you got to be okay with that. Very true. And sometimes it's going to, uh, because we work in a pluralistic environment, it's going to force you to look at the tenets of your own endorsing body, which may come into conflict or may be incongruent with what the Army needs of you at a particular time. So I have to say one more thing. When I joined, I was a person of a narrow-minded, um, my religious background, the way I was brought up, it was a little bit strict. And that's how I understood life, according to my beliefs. So the Army has helped me understand the big spectrum of religions and really focus on the person. Not, you know, I believe in X, Y, and C. Right. They're all different, but I need to understand that and be open-minded. So the Army will help many of our new religious affairs specialists and chaplains be exposed 
to the to other cultures, religions, beliefs, uh, and activities, and you have a better understanding because we're here for for the people. Absolutely, and and we're here to further the mission of the United States Army, which is yes. to fight and win our nation's wars, and that comes through our relationships that we cultivate with with people. If we're being divisive, then we're impacting the overall mission of the United States Army. Chaplain Del Tufo, a few months ago, you mentioned to me that our customer is the battalion commander with regards to when we produce brand new chaplains, that we are serving that future battalion commander that that chaplain is going to go to. Last month, we had a battalion commander on here, Colonel Messenger, who we interviewed, and he shared with us his expectations for chaplains. Now, obviously, the expectations that he shared are not necessarily going to be the expectations that every other commander is going to share. But, sir, if you could just expound upon what does it mean to be forward-thinking with regards to that battalion commander as our customer when we're coming here and preparing to be a chaplain? Chaplain Phipps, the uh, Army is all about people. People are all about teams. When we graduate our chaplains and our religious affairs specialists and they go off to their first assignments, they're joining what we would call a unit ministry team, which is made up of a chaplain and a religious affairs specialist and a battalion. There's only one of them in a battalion. Just like there's only one battalion commander, there's only one unit ministry team. That's right. And they are that, that unit ministry team is uniquely placed in the unit to provide religious support, to provide religious ministries, and to advise commanders. And that's really why they're there. And I'm gonna say that, you know, when when a new chaplain or religious affairs specialist graduates from the USA Earl, they may not know everything. And I'm okay with that because there are other people who are around that can help shape them, whether it's their brigade chaplains and, and brigade religious affairs specialists, whether it's the division, or even whether it's within their own unit, the battalion XO, the battalion command sergeant major. They're all part of a shaping function for that unit ministry team. And so when I say that battalion commanders or command teams are our, our customers, I mean is that the battalion commander is expecting a certain level of professionalism from the unit ministry team. They're expecting a certain level of advisement from the unit ministry team that they can't get from anybody else in their unit. And they're expecting their unit ministry team to function in their organization to go figure out what the problems are and help generate solutions and also to be able to provide hope to soldiers in the battalion who are going through experiences that they may or may not have gone through before. And they're looking for answers and they're looking for a source of hope. And it's up to the battalion chaplain to be able to help give them hope when it seems like all is lost. I had the opportunity to serve as a battalion CSM, meaning working outside the MOS. And I have two commanders in two different unit ministry teams, uh, they work for the command team, i.e. The, com the commander and myself. So what the two different commanders 
doing my 24 months as a battalion CSM, their expectation of the chaplains were completely different. But one of the things that Chaplain Del Tufo said, they want to be advised. They are expected to get an advice from the chaplain, reference what's going on in the unit and how they can help the soldier. My battalion was the Warrior Transition Battalion, formerly, but now is the Soldier Recovery Unit. So they were expecting to know the things that are happening in the battalion by the UMT. And I had a Catholic and a Jewish chaplain uh, during my time. And the commander wanted the chaplain, at least from my perspective, to be involved, to be part of the team, to participate in the meetings, to be present, and, of course, to give advice when situations arise, not only religious but personal situations. So they had to be present, i.e. participate and be part of the command team and advise and perform or find out how to provide that service to the soldiers, cadre, and their families. So let's expound a little bit upon this spectrum of professionalism. You all have touched upon what would normally be expected of a chaplain, that you're able to provide religious support or perform religious support, advise the command on morals and morale within a unit. What other components of professionalism do you all believe a new chaplain should leave this school with in preparation for their first assignment? Well, I would expect that um, we're doing a, we're, we're exposing, we're building the foundation, if you will, for our chaplains and what it means to be both a religious leader and a staff advisor. And while chaplains come to the basic course as fully, fully qualified members of their faith tradition, we in the Army, in the United States Army Institute of Religious Leadership, are helping to, to take the theological skills and the training and to be able to integrate that into the Army culture. Now, that's just the one aspect of being a professional religious leader. The other part of being a professional staff officer is constant training. And it's constant training in understanding how the Army operates, understanding the Army writing model, understanding the operations process, understanding basic warfighting, understanding how to stay alive on the battlefield. Because there are so many aspects of being a professional staff officer that that we, we just touch on that are going to be uh, expounded on over and over again at different levels at echelon throughout the Army. Yeah. Sorry, Major, you have anything that you would add? Sir, I would say, um, to complement what happened to Tufo said, uh, seek training. If you don't know how to do orders, uh, how to understand the operation, then seek training within your battalion or with your next hire uh, command because you are expected as an officer and a chaplain to do religious ministry, but to be an officer, be able to write memorandums, understand orders, uh, survive in the battlefield, and and be integrated. And yes, over here you get trained, you get the basics, but you still have to seek that development when you go to your unit uh, to actually execute and put what you learn 
in action? I believe that the two of you, of all the guests that I've had, have the most combined Army experience. And I think even individually, if I just had one of you on, you'd still have more experience than the vast majority of the people that I've interviewed. I know that both of you still have very active spiritual lives, that your relationships with with God have thrived during your time in the Army. But can you just speak a little bit about what those relationships with God have been like being in the chaplain corps. How how has the chaplain corps? How has the army challenged that? How has the army strengthened those relationships over the course of time? Well, sir, I can uh, speak for myself on that. Um, my religious background is Seventh Day Adventist. So initially, when I joined, I asked the recruiter, "Can I keep the Sabbath?" And he said, "Absolutely." course in basic training when I ask to you know go to church on Saturdays they say absolutely not so from that point I never ask again I struggle a little bit and mm-hmm. I stop attending completely all completely so it took me almost 15 years in my career to go back to my beliefs I went back to my religion to my beliefs after my first deployment when I realized when you uh, face eminent danger and you have 10 seconds to realize that's it you are completely done in a matter of seconds i realize i'm far away from my creator and at that point i i went back meaning i started reading and went back to uh my beliefs yeah and start you know what is that worshiping or actually participating or be an active member of my background, my, my religion, my group of people. But it helped me understand some of the struggles that some of the soldiers who joined will have that. Because many, many people who joined with a specific religion will probably stop attending or participating in the military. And I was able to get back into my fate. Of course, I have struggles. But it's not because the Army didn't afford the opportunity to do it. You, the individual, have to look for that opportunity. Right. The first no, I never ask after that. Mm. But I'm quite sure they would have helped me. I tell soldiers, whatever your religion is, you ask. And if mission has the opportunity, then you can participate or go to your church. Right. Or exercise that freedom of religion on your faith. So it got me stronger in my walk with God because I encountered I want to say dangerous situations, and I realize I'm not going to go to heaven. If I were to die at that moment, I was far away from God. So that was the changing on my life. That's when I also got really close to my dad, and it kind of changed my whole outlook in life. And, you know, it's been almost 15 years since I've been going to my church. Mm -hmm. I do have my up and downs, but I'm... I'm stronger now than before. Mm. Thank you for sharing that, Sorry, Major. That's really it's encouraging to hear. It really is. Sir, any, any thoughts? Well, I just want to thank the Sergeant Major for sharing her experience. Yeah. And I know that as a, you know, as, a, as a pastor that came on active duty as a chaplain, the temptation is just to, you know, provide weekly worship services and Bible studies and really never take time 
for yourself to work on your own spiritual life because you're always giving, 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 whether it's through chapel services, um, events in the unit, or even through counseling. And so you really have to be intentional in order to pour back into yourself some level of, of spirituality and what, and what you need and what your family needs. And there's been, there's been uh, times when you have to surge in providing stuff and you don't have enough time to actually pour in. And then there's other times when you get to, to kind of pour back into yourself. And I'd be lying to you if I said that, that you have to find a balance because there really is no balance. You have to be able to learn, I like to call it, you have to be able to learn to integrate spiritual practices, spiritual disciplines into all aspects of your life. And, um, yeah, I just tell you one of the things that works for me is, you know, I like going to the gym. I've seen you at the gym. I like going to the gym. I like, I, I put my headphones in when I go to the gym and I work out and when I walk and what I don't tell people is that what I'm doing is I'm listening to actually praise and worship music when I'm doing that because I need, I need that to fill into my soul. And right now, you know, we are um, not only participating in chapel, but we also, you know, go to chapel. And I was actually asked by one of the chaplains, hey, when do you want to come and preach? And I was like, I'm like, hey, right now, I'm okay not preaching. I'm actually, you know, my wife and I are actually, you know, doing the gift of hospitality as a spiritual practice. And it doesn't, I don't need to be up in front of the group talking at them for 20 minutes because I can serve, I can make food and serve food and build relationships around the table. And that to me is as fulfilling as getting up and preaching. So you just have to find where those areas are, the spiritual practices where, 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 you, where you can also be a blessing, but you can also receive a blessing. Absolutely. Yes, Rafe, can I say something of that? Of course. Um, I volunteer in my church uh, teaching kids civic things, being a good Christian citizen, but as we teach, we also incorporate Christian beliefs. And that one, you know, gets me motivated because our generation, you know, these are, what is that, uh, iPhone generation. So keeping their attention for more than 30 minutes is a challenge. So that helps me help them. I get motivated when they understand. And they'll be like, oh, so that's what that belief means. I was like, yes, one of you got it. So being active in the church in some area doesn't have to be preaching. Like I say, I, I teach, I volunteer teaching the kids and I like that. I actually enjoy that. And I'm not too bad at doing that either. That's good. It's always good to kind of have those outward moments that reflect the vibrancy of our, our relationship with God. So, and sir, I appreciate what you had to say regarding leaning heavily into our activity as a chaplain. Uh, I've certainly had those moments, and I think we've talked about that in the past, about getting to this place in your career where you feel like the Bible studies I do, the burials that I conduct, the services that I uh, conduct on Sundays, that those are all feeding into my my relationship with God, and that is certainly not the case. I think I was kind of at that place in my last assignment at Arlington Cemetery because I was doing multiple chapel services a week for incredible people who were laying to rest in the presence of God. And it was just, it was a glorious time, but it wears you down as well. And it was starting to define my relationship with God. And 
So I would encourage you, if you're listening to this, to come prepared to learn great things, but just come rooted in, in your relationship with God and prepare to leave this place still rooted in your relationship and hopefully growing in your relationship and your dependency upon God, because you will certainly need that going into future assignments. Last week, I had an opportunity to go to the basic course, and our homiletics instructor was coming out teaching about how to preach memorial messages. And it was right before one of our other instructors went in to teach the format for memorial ceremonies. And I I had a few minutes because I was supposed to go TDY. My TDY was canceled. And I was like, can I just share something? And I want to share what it is. It's There's the art of religious support versus the science of religious support. And we're going to spend a lot of time teaching you tasks. And we're going to spend a lot of time teaching you the right way to do things. But what we can't necessarily teach you is how to generate an effect from what you're doing. So when you do a memorial ceremony, you get the bulletin right, you get the program right, you get all that. And it's easy just to go through the steps and go through the motions. The harder part is actually generating that effect and what you're trying to get from that. And I keep coming back to this whole aspect of hope. Soldiers come to these things because they're looking for something outside themselves. They're looking for a sense of purpose and meaning, and they're looking really for that sense of hope. And it's up to you as a chaplain to be able to take all those army-prescribed ways of doing things and get to the end of actually having it mean something and having it have a soldier say, you know what, I can go on another day because I know that there's a God who knows me and loves me no matter what I do and is there for me. And that's what chaplains really provide is that, is that sense of feeling. And that's what we're really trying to get after in all aspects is being able to connect soldiers to God and connect God to soldiers. Sir, can I say that uh, the chaplains make an impact and you do not know that. Uh, a chaplain make an impact on me when I was a PFC, mm-hmm. having some difficult time, and he never knew how he helped me, but the chaplains actually do a lot of things for soldiers in they don't know that they did that at the time. So you got to be that chaplain that, make that makes that impact outside on the puppet or whatever because they, the chaplains, when you come here, you're going to be that chaplain for someone else. Yeah. So be prepared for that. Absolutely. Well, we are getting close to the end of our time, but I just wanted to see if you all had any closing remarks. You know, I'm always big about pushing physical fitness, and I know physical fitness is important. I would say that that's another component of professionalism within the United States Army. So any any final thoughts, perhaps related to physical fitness? So I was actually at the gym this morning. I saw one of my chaplain friends and colleagues there and we gave each other high fives in the gym good 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 and he was like sir you're the old man and you're even in the gym and i'm like i'm like i i gotta yes. i gotta keep at it i gotta stay at it you know because it, it means so much to me to you know remain physically fit and i want to go back to a time when I, I had a chance to talk to a group of chaplains and i was like Physical fitness is part of the be no do philosophy and really part of presence. Yes. If you will, presence. And I go, 
when you when you're a new chaplain and you show up at your unit, everybody's looking at you and seeing if 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 you can if you can hang and if you're one of us. Right. And your commander is going to give you opportunities to do ministry based upon, you know, how they feel about you. Not necessarily they're going to give you based on your position, but also how they feel about you and if and how you are integrated into the unit. And so I tell chaplains if they're going to do a battalion run on a Friday, make sure you hang and don't fall out of the battalion run. That's right. Because everybody's there's only one of you. More people know who you are than 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 you know who they are, and they're always looking. You live in a glass a, a fishbowl. They're always looking. So if you can hang on the battalion runs, you're going to see how much more your commander is going to give you in order to do ministry to the soldiers in that unit. But if you start making excuses on why you can't come, if you start riding profile, if you don't show up for those things, um, they may never say anything to you, but they're keeping mental notes in their head. Right. So I, I want to encourage you, chaplains, to remain physically fit. It's part of being in the Army, and it's just part of what's expected every day. It's our major journey. Yes, please. Uh, physical fitness is a big it's a big element of being a chaplain, and you will be known if you're not physically fit, whether you like it or not. They'll they'll have comments about you. However, if you're physically fit, they're gonna say you gotta do better than that chaplain because he's kicking people's behinds. So, it is an individual task. Physical fitness is an individual task. It's not only helping you to do army things, but also for your health, your personal health. Be on time, do your PT, make no excuses. You want to do it, you can do it, and it's required. And you get paid to do PT in the Army. That's right. I mean, who, who knew that we would get paid as much as we do to work out every day? Blows my mind. Never never take it for granted. Well, Sergeant Major Monty, uh, Chaplain Del Tufo, thank you again so much for joining me this month and very much looking forward to, to dropping this podcast for our students, future students. Appreciate your time. Again, it's been a pleasure to have you both. Please, if you liked what you heard this month, leave some remarks. Otherwise, have a great rest of your week, and we'll talk again soon. Bye-bye.